When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm Gabe Ibrahim and I'm raring up for a wonderful conversation with Jackie Powell, my friend and women's basketball writer for Bleach Report and the next and reporter and reporter. I almost forgot one of the things that is on her LinkedIn bio. We're going to be talking about, oh, Liz Cambage, as usual, but then we're also going to be getting into a fun game about which players we are most excited for in new situations, and we're going to talk about the New York Liberty, the team that Jackie covers mainly for the next, and make sure you're following us at Her Hoop Stats on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed here on YouTube. Our Twitter names just popped up under us, so make sure you follow us on Twitter because we're covering women's basketball from every angle about everything all the time. Jackie, how's it going for you in terms of all women's basketball all the time, no matter where it's happening. It's going all right. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me, Gabe. I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited for what we've got coming up during this pod. But as I told you before we started recording, I am a little tired. You know, I, it's really important for me to have my cup of Irish breakfast every single morning. And uh, it's been a really busy time for people in our corner of the world. It's fabulous for the growth of this game, but it's also, we are only human and there's just been so much going on. It is, it has wrecked my sleep. And also I ran out of coffee beans earlier this week. So you guys are getting two cups of Cuban coffee, Gabe, which, Hey, there as an unpredictable person, I don't know what that guy's going to do. I didn't have the third one. The third, third cafe Cuano Gabe is out of his mind. So I'm only on two, but we'll see how that goes. You ever have Cuban coffee? I hope you have. No, I, oh. I'm not really a coffee drinker. I think it's because I had a really terrible um, experience with it in college. I should be open to trying it again. <laughs> no, no, it, it's it's really bad for you. I'm just like, I'm Cuban and there's no, 
that like coffee is a way of life and I've never got out of that despite moving to DC, but the coffee is also like a way of life here because people are crazy and like us, they do not sleep. So Jackie, more power to you without doing this with coffee. Let's talk about someone else who doesn't sleep. Liz Cambage, the DJ, the, <laughs> the superstar, the model. She has so many jobs and it appears that she's going to have a new one, uh, which is center for the Los Angeles Sparks. This deal has not been made yet. Um, because it's looking like it's going to be a sign and trade because Liz doesn't want to play for a penny less than the Supermax, which, hey, I support. I think the Players Union also supports. It's good for the game that players are refusing to, to take less. But uh, that means there's going to have to be a sign and trade with the Las Vegas Aces, and the Sparks are insisting that they want to keep 12 players, which makes the entire thing much more complicated. Um, basically the, the rub of this is they're going to have to move either Brittany Sykes or Amanda Zowie B and probably that pick that they got from Seattle in this year's draft over to Las Vegas. That's the technical side. It's like, just like fit wise does, does, do you think this is going to work? Like what, what does Liz do for the Los Angeles sparks? Oh, wow. That's, what a question that is. <laughs> Let's go back to the fact that the Sparks had the absolute worst offense in the league in 2021. Mm-hmm. So I think immediately she's going to make the offense better because of her ability to just be dominant and, um, and to create plays in the paint. Um, I do think that they do not have enough spacing for her to do what she does best. And that is a real concern. So if Derek Fisher is smart, and if they're going to do this sign and trade with the aces, so Liz can get her super max, you've got to, you've got to trade for someone who can space a little bit, or at least a, it's just that roster is very confusing. Um, so yeah, okay. Liz, I would consider her to have the capability to defend as well. I mean, I think when she was playing her best with the aces, they were a very good defensive team because how she's Mm -hmm. able to protect the paint, the amount of space she takes up. Um, and I think Latricia Trammell is going to have a really nice time with her defensively and with Jordan Canada, but I don't think the way that this team is constructed, I guess, fits uh, what Liz does best. And that's a problem. It's like, okay, finally, you have someone who Derek Fisher can scheme and build his offense around. That was not the case a year in 2021. But I don't even think the way the roster is constructed does that for Liz. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And they look, they're going to have to completely change the offense. So last year they ran 56.5% of possessions in spot ups, uh, pick and rolls and in transition. Liz is suboptimal in each of those categories. I go more into it, but just like that's, that's the basic rub. Like the things that they do the most last year are not the things that Liz does the best. So they're going to have to change the entire offense. And that's fine because as you mentioned, they were, at times, like horrifyingly bad, like to the point of like, I need to watch something else. Like I would go and watch highlights of different games while I was watching a Sparks game just to get a little bit of offense. But I, it, the point about the spacing, and I think everyone's brought this up, 
or at least the people who think about this stuff in the analytical way that we do, like we've talked a lot about the spacing and it being a problem. And I think Katie Lou Samuelson, who they acquired from Seattle, she's going to help, you know, her shooting. While it's not the sort of tremendous knockdown shooter that we, we thought she might be coming out of UConn. She has certainly been good. She'll certainly help the spacing. A healthy Christy Tolliver helps them a ton with, uh, shot creation for herself and others and with a little bit of that spacing. But I really think it's going to come down to is Neka Gumake healthy? And is she able to kind of move into what I would call a Candace Parker role, right? It, it, this season, she's going to have to be at the level she was when she won the MVP and be kind of in Candace's role in that season where, you know, she, she is kind of playing a little bit more perimeter focus out and out than in then in then out because they're going to have Liz Cambage in the paint. If that can happen, and I haven't even mentioned Shania Kumake, I don't know how she's going to fit in, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know how Shania is going to fit with those two players, but she's going to need to get post-ups in order to be efficient in this offense, I think. And that's kind of the thing that made her less efficient in Vegas. So I'm, I'm just concerned about how it's all going to fit and how Derek Fisher is going to create that offense um, because you just don't, you don't have the spacing. I think Canada, while I like Jordan Canada's defense, I like Jordan Canada's, what she can do on offense is good. Like the things that she does are good, but she obviously can't shoot. So she doesn't space. Kenny Carter doesn't really space their other acquisition from Atlanta. So I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty low on the move, but I get it. Right. Like, how much of this move really is about the on the court things rather than the off the court things? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, going back to Liz's tweet, which I want to say, and, and for those of you that haven't seen the tweet or don't know what I'm talking about on February 1st, which, and I don't think this is a coincidence signing mm-hmm. day, Liz tweeted about the fact that Becky Hammond is getting a million dollars, but players cannot. And she referenced how she has to pay out of her own pocket to make sure that she can not travel in, in coach. I think that was sort of the gist of the tweet. Um, So I read that tweet thinking, Oh, she probably does not like, her 2022 playing prospects at the moment. Um, the Aces probably either want to pay her less or they don't want her at all. Mm-hmm. That was how I interpreted that. Listen, did she bring a really important issue to the table? 1,000%, 1,000%. But I don't think that that was her only intent in tweeting that. And so, oh, so what happens five days later, five days later after that tweet? Ramona Shelburne reports that Liz Cambage has verbally agreed to play on the Sparks. So something had to happen in those five days. I think I remember Holly Rowe said on the very short ESPN pre-agency special. Very short. Very, very, very short. That the Sparks were talking to Cambage. And I mean... Liz has always wanted to play um, for the Sparks. And to be honest, this was before Candace left and before Chelsea left too. I mean, she always wanted to play. 
in that location and she really wanted to play with Candace. And so if Candace is still on the Sparks, I think you'd be seeing, we might be a bit more optimistic about this. Oh my God, yes. Because one, they have so, or well, it was clear at the All-Star game that the two of them have respect for each other, but also it's Candace's passing ability. And you, you alluded to this, you're like, well, if this is gonna work, NECA has to sacrifice and NECA has to sort of, as you said, become more of a facilitating mm-hmm. big. Do I think NECA has the basketball IQ to do so? Oh, absolutely. She's one of the most smart people in this <laughs> league, but will she buy in? That's a whole other can of worms. I think she, I think she'll buy in. I mean, this is her franchise, right? Like, well, I don't, I don't assume much with LA these days, but you got to assume that this was ran by NECA, um, because she is the franchise. And I think if, if she's, if Liz is coming, it's because NECA is excited about it. I would, one would assume, I, I think maybe it's a little presumptuous to assume anything with LA, um, considering the, uh, chain of events that has happened since Derek Fisher got hired there, uh, you know, just with Can- Candace being upset, clearly then her and Chelsea leaving. And then this roster kind of. And, and, and to a certain extent, I also want to give him a little bit of a pass just because the injuries and COVID and everything have gotten way in the way of what they're trying to do. But certainly I would have to assume that NECA's in on it and that she has seen what Liz brings and has figured out, like, I can evolve my game a little bit more. So I think there's a possibility, certainly, that if Liz shows up motivated, in shape, and ready to go, then this team can certainly be a playoff team. Right. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that because of what, you know, she does bring so much offense. Um, but if, she, you know, she's often not showed up in shape and or motivated and she has often not showed up in ready to, to take whatever role has been given to her. And I think we have to applaud what she did in Vegas, but there was times where it kind of felt like that wasn't, you know, she was kind of burst out of that role and it hurt their offense at times. So I don't know. I, I think, <sighs> The other issue here, too, is that now this locker room is a power kick. <laughs> like, Kenny Carter has a ton of potential. We don't know exactly what happened in Atlanta. Uh, she's not in Atlanta primarily because of that issue, from what, I, from what I've heard. Um, and I think, you know, she is a great player, but she certainly has not been able to mesh with other great players yet in this league. Liz is Liz, right? And then on top of all of this, you have Christy Tolliver around and Christy Tolliver is about the basketball. She's a champion. She is here. She's a coach. She is about the basketball and she does not take any crap from anybody. I I think it's a powder keg and I'm not entirely sure that Derek Fisher is the coach to handle it. Cause I I think Derek Fisher has done a fine job X and O's wise last year. I don't think this roster makes sense. I think Derek Fisher, the GM really hurt Derek Fisher, the coach. And I think this year he might, hurt him again just not with the x's and o's part but with that locker room part so that's those are my concerns obviously i don't want to get anyone less excited it's going to be really excited but i do think we have to mention these concerns that we have yeah there there are a ton of concerns and to add on to that some interesting reporting regarding kennedy carter is i actually asked angel mccautry on a usab zoom this past week 
so when, or actually, when was it? It was, it wasn't this past week. I think it was over the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, she was one of the first to do the Zoom. And I think the way they did it was they had the folks who were injured go first. And, but anyway, so I asked Angel, I said, so, you know, what did you think about this trade? And, you know, I, I know you've sort of been mentoring Kennedy, you know, on and off. And so she interrupts me and she goes, on and off. I'm like, oh, and Angel's like, I got the call right when she knew. And thank you for reminding me. I have to call Mecca and tell her exactly what she needs to do in order to be able to get the best out of Kennedy. So it, it seems as though Angel has become this mentor to Kennedy and, and really cares about her. And something that I know about Kennedy Carter is when she finds someone who she gets along with, she latches on. I mean, she was so upset when Nikki Collin left. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nikki Collin was someone who she trusted. So it seems clear to me that she trusts Angel. And the fact that Angel is saying, oh, I have to call NECA and, yeah. and help her to help Kennedy. That's, I mean, listen, who knows if that works? But I think it's an interesting thing to note. But I do agree with you, Gabe, regarding Liz. I think that locker room, absolutely the powder keg. I think we cannot forget about what happened uh, before Tokyo. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that it was reported that Liz got into an altercation with Team Nigeria. NECA and Cheney were both in the room when this happened. They saw it, they heard it. And from what I know about what happened, it was a pretty painful situation. So I don't know how long it takes to get over what's happened in that moment. Um, it, it seemed pretty emotional and pretty dramatic. So I just don't know. It, 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 it's a little confusing as to what must have happened to get both of the Agumakes on board. Uh, maybe a desire to win a championship. Maybe. I don't know. But I really wonder about who makes this work. And if Christy Tolliver is healthy, um, and if she finds a way to sort of focus this group, LA could be back in the playoffs. Do they win a championship this year? I do not think so. No. But could they be back in the playoffs? Sure. I would have, I, yeah. I think that's a bigger point too. Like, if it all works out, is this team... Like, do I even think this team's going to be in a double buy spot? Like, I don't even think they get into the, I'm not sure they get to uh, a top. I don't think they get to a top two seed. I would be surprised no. if they got to a top four seed, even if things went right. But I think getting Carter is is a good bet because, you know, I don't think it, I, like, I'm not saying Kenny Carter is like a bad person. She just didn't get along with the folks in Atlanta. And it was, it was a crazy, crazy situation last year in Atlanta to, to start with. So I, I think certainly there's a great player in there. And if she, if she does have that sort of support and if there's a person in this league that can give you that support, it's Neka Agumake. Um, so it could work. It could work. I just would like it better if they didn't, you know, kind of push, they're pushing more chips into this season. Whereas I just don't, if they push all their chips in, I don't see it working out for them in the way that they hope. Um, but, you know, let's move on. I, we don't have to talk more about Liz Cambage. You will hear plenty of Liz Cambage nope. talk from all other corners. I just, we, I did, we did need to give reaction and we did need to talk about it because it's big news, but man, 
I'm more excited about other people, other teams, other folks that are in new situations, not necessarily players who move teams. Um, although I did talk about, I do have on my list here, play a few players that move teams, but like just players who are in a better spot now than they were heading into free agency. And I want to, you know, pick a couple here and get into why we think that they're going to be better, why we like the situation for them and why we're excited for them from the player's perspective. Cause we talk so much from the team perspective and from a GM level that I want to get down to seeing like why the players moved where and like, who's going to be in a better spot. So um, do you want, do you want to start us off with your, your player that you're excited for in a new situation? Yes, sure. Um, so one player that's at the top of my list is Elizabeth Williams. Oh, me too. <laughs> and yes, I think I, I don't want to say that it's obvious. Well, you know, but I think Elizabeth Williams has a ton of potential mm-hmm. and I don't think there was the emphasis on player development in Atlanta that maybe she needed. And so while she's considered a veteran now, she is moving to a situation and moving to a place that has such a strong foundation and such a strong infrastructure when it comes to skill work, skill development. I mean, Mike and Eric Tebow together are such a force when it comes to figuring out how to grow the skill of some of these players. I mean, we don't, I don't think we have to go down what their resume has been when it comes to player development, but you now add Shelly Patterson, who also is so, I know when I asked Mike about this, he said, oh, you know, Shelly is is a brilliant scouter, which she is, but she's also, she knows how to develop players too. She knows how to fix someone's shot. I mean, could we be seeing Elizabeth Williams taking threes this year? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she works on it and she tries. Um, You know, and also I just, I I feel like Elizabeth Williams is going to love being close to home and being in D.C. I mean, there was a joke on the press conference about, oh, this is the perfect place where E can start her her congressional campaign. That was my question. That's what I was thinking about. (laughs) No, that was a gr- that was a great question. I love that. And so yeah. I think E deserves this. She does. I mean, she was so patient throughout all of that turmoil in Atlanta. And I think I get the sense that the dream will be forever grateful, mm-hmm. not just for her patience, but for her leadership down there. I mean, you didn't have someone like Elizabeth Williams. I don't know if they would have been able to you know, yeah, things were very messy in Atlanta, but they could have been even more messy if you yep. didn't have someone like Elizabeth Williams sort of centering and 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 leading the group. No, and I, I think her, she was had to be such a mentor in Atlanta and had to be such a leader. And I think, you know, it takes up energy, man. That that takes up a lot of your time and your thought. And here in, in DC, she doesn't have to be a leader, a mentor. I'm sure she will be. I'm sure she will be because that's who she is, but I don't think she has to do it. That's not going to be on her. It's not going to be her. It's not going to be on her to, you know, for lack of a better term, be the adult in the room. So I think she's going to, she's going to feel a little bit more free, but the one assistant coach that you did not mention was the one assistant coach that I wanted to mention Latoya Sanders. Cause I think, 
I think Elizabeth Williams is slotting right into that Latoya Sanders role from 2019. I was watching, um, there's a really great video from Half, Co- Half Court Hoops on YouTube detailing mm. the entire 2019 Mystics playbook. And so I was just watching it because I'm nostalgic. Um, and I just think she's going to fit so perfectly into what Latoya Sanders did. She will roll more. I think Latoya popped a little bit more. But definitely that baseline jumper, like you're saying, if she's working with the person that you call the shot doctor, Shelly Patterson, that baseline jumper is going to be going in more often. And she's going to, she's never, ever played with spacing like this. And I think it'll really allow her to take over that Latoya Sanders role of hitting wide open baseline jumpers and posting up mismatches. So I think those two things on offense are going to be so huge for her. And the fact that she can learn from the player that she's pretty much taking over for is massive and i'm really excited that she can also on the defensive end provide be seen providing the value that she does right like her rim protection is legit in my opinion her length is going to be huge for this team i think maybe her defense got a little overrated just just a tad bit you know from that all defense position but she's certainly in this in the slot where she is in the role that i mean excuse me in a role where she can excel at just protecting the rim She's going to be great. So I'm just so excited for her. And yeah, like Senator Elizabeth Williams, like put it on the books now. Like I'm, I'm all look, I'll do PR for the campaign. Elizabeth, if you're listening, like I'm, I'm, I'm all in because I think her coming here and being able to focus on those other things, get those other opportunities and be with just people who, who really support you in that. Cause that's the feeling I get around or being around the, the mystics organization. They support all that. Um, I think it's going to be huge for her. So yeah, she was definitely on my, on my list as well as a player that I'm super excited for. Um, we'll keep it moving. I'll go, I'll go with my second player on my list. I kind of have a feeling it's going to be on your list too. Uh, Angel McCautry. Yep. The second name on my list, Gabe. (laughs) You know, I I knew, I I know we have, we we have an overlap of opinions, but yeah, McCautry, I mean, I think the case is extremely simple, right? She's working with Cheryl Reeve, uh, who has been proven to work on a player's shots, expand their game and allow them to really just focus on the basketball and, and being, and, you know, nurturing that side of their, of their game. I think she's going to a place that really loves and honors the league's legends, especially since that Simone Augustus situation went down. And I actually, I got really, I, I have an article somewhere on Winsider where I like completely rip uh, Cheryl Reeve for letting that happen. But I think, you know, I think I was a little unfair, but I also think Cheryl has kind of changed in, in how she approaches that situation just because I don't think she ever wanted to lose Simone. I don't think she ever wanted to make Simone feel like she was disrespected. I think that's just something that happens in basketball and and you have to kind of change the way you you talk to to folks like that. And I think that has turned into Minnesota kind of leading the league and honoring their, their vets in, you know, Laisha Clarendon, Sylvia Fowles, and now Angel McCautry. I think she's going to get that shine that she deserves. And this is going to be her in the offense with the most movement that she's ever had with one of the best passers she's ever played with in Laisha Clarendon. So, I mean, I think the case for Angel having a great time in Minnesota is easy. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Well, the thing that's interesting about what you said is, is a bit with Simone because so Simone is now on the selection committee for USA mm-hmm. basketball and she was there in camp with, with Cheryl. So 
I'd have to assume that yeah. hopefully those two have patched up whatever went wrong there. Um, I appreciate that analysis about sort of honoring the legends, but also from a basketball perspective, yeah. I think this is huge for the Lynx because, and you have to talk about the fact that they're going to be without Napisa Collier for a while. We, we don't know. I mean, Reeve is assuming that she will come back at some point. I don't think Reeve is going to be suspending her contract. I don't think that's happening, but they're going to be without Collier for a while. And mm -hmm. so Angel can fill some of that void. I mean, I know Collier is maybe a better defender than Angel, but um, offensively, you know, Angel slots right in at that, you know, the four and the three spot right there. And going back to, to Lasia Clarendon, I mean, Angel and Lasia played together in, when was it? I think it was 2016. They were both yes. on the dream. Yes. And having that chemistry, I think matters. And in, in Lasia's welcome back to the links presser yesterday, I asked them, I said, so you're going to be playing with Angel. And, and, and Lasia went on this very long speech as he often does, which mm -hmm. we love about how, you know, Lasia and Angel, they started, they, they butted heads at first, but then they sort of grew together. And now they're both at this more mature place in their lives and they're looking forward to working together. And so I, I think the, it looks like a very, very good season for Angel McCautry if she is healthy and ready to go when, it, when training camp comes around. And I yeah. think her leadership is going to be huge for them as well, because I, I do, before Lasia was on the team, I remember they were struggling very much. And it was because there wasn't really, there was only Crystal Dangerfield who was the point guard, you know, and there were a lot of mismatches, but also Sylvia Fowles isn't that vocal leader that maybe you get in, mm -hmm. in Lasia and, and I think Angel too. So I think Angel is going to, I hope Angel has a very good bounce back season, you know, something like what we saw in, in the Webble. So definitely agree on that one. Yeah. And as you're, so I forgot, I kind of, I forgot to look up the exact stats because they played together in 2016 and 2017 in Atlanta. Ah. Um, although I think Angel may have been, yeah, she was hurt in 2017, but in 2016, uh, I think, let me see, I'm trying to look up how many, uh, yeah, the person who assisted the most field goals made by Angel McCautry in 2016 was Leish Clarendon. So I think he, he brings such, uh, you know, cohesiveness to this offense. And, and look, I'm, I don't know where I'm slotting the Minnesota Lynx for now because Angel is coming off an injury, right? So I don't want to put like all that pressure of like, oh, she's going to be back and 100% healthy, especially at her age. Like you have to assume there's going to be at least a little bit of drop off. But even with the drop off that there was from her first knee injury to Vegas, to the top, to her year in Vegas, I think she played great. And I think she showed that she can come back from that injury, get back in shape and still play. I would imagine there's a little bit less explosiveness, but you know, whatever, like she, she can still contribute to this offense, especially in what I'm assuming might be a, a kind of a bench role. Maybe it depends. I mean, you know, I think she'll be in their finishing lineups, which is most important. Um, actually it may depend, you know, cause Dantas, Dantas was, was good in those spots last year too. So in the Chanwa, it has a, has a big contract, but we'll, 
regardless of where she slots in, in terms of uh, the starting, finishing lineup sort of stuff. She's playing with players who are extremely competent, with coaches who are extremely competent. And I think it's, I think it's just a lovely marriage. I'm really, really excited for both parties there to, to get together. Um, okay, did you, have a, did you have a backup since we did your two? Um, I've got a bunch on here. I've got okay, a long cool, list. me too. I yeah. mean, <laughs> hmm. so I mean, I ha- I don't have any players on this list who haven't moved teams. So, okay. like the next one I have here is Julie Alamond. Ooh. Um, because I think her move to Chicago, it just it makes so much sense for mm-hmm. both parties. I know there's a discussion about well. So we know she's going to get there late uh, because she, and I know this because she is on the same team as Maureen Johannes, Mm -hmm. who is someone I am also monitoring um, about her return to the W. And um, I think with Alamond right now, I mean, we know for sure that she's committed to playing in the W. Probably her contract is going to have to be prorated or whatever. But um, the reason I like this for her is, is not just because, she gets to play with Emma Mieseman, uh professionally, which of course is, is quite a perk. But I like this because she is going to be very valued in Chicago. Mm-hmm. The, the Sky have not, I mean, no offense to Dana Evans, but I mean, she was a rookie point guard. And yep. to that whole situation with Shyla Heel not working out, Dana Evans getting slotted in, I mean, I give Dana a ton of credit for just, you know, going with the flow. But I think with Alamond, you have a pro-ready point guard who can back up Sloot and who can play alongside her yes. too. And that, that is a hole that they've been trying to fill for so long. It will take pressure off of Allie Quigley if she returns, although it's been reported that the the wheels are turning a little bit for her to return um i don't remember what alamon's contract looks like when it comes to how many years they have her so i'm looking at it um she has she's on the rookie scale for this year and well next year she has a team option um so next year i mean before this this season before the start of the season they'll have to pick up that option i think um which is actually interesting because with her playing in France and the fines coming in next year for the prioritization that could affect, you know, whether she comes over or not, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to be that big of an issue, but she is in the contract for two years. I think it's a more of a, of a one year um, thought process here in Chicago and that, and that's totally fine, but yeah, sorry. To, I just wanted to get the contract stuff out of the way, but yeah, continue. Yeah, no, that's, that's good information, but I think she gives them a real chance to try at running it back. Mm-hmm. I mean, People have talked about what Misa Min adds, you know, in place of Steph Dolson. I mean, I think the, the one discrepancy there, I mean, Emma's a much better scorer, which we know, but I'd say that Dolson's a better screener. Um, so I, I'm not saying Emma can't screen. Of course, Emma can screen. But those little things that Steph yes. Dolson could do, they're going to miss. But I think that whole backup point guard situation and having a little bit more depth at the at the guard spot because I don't I consider Kalia Copper a small forward I really yeah, do yeah. I think she's the three four um, I, I think you you need a little bit more depth in that backcourt when you have 
you know, aging vets there. So I, I think she she's gonna she's gonna have quite a role there. And I, I you know, she's gonna win. The sky are gonna win. In Indiana, she was not gonna win. So I think it's going to be, and she's going to be working with a Belgian legend in, in Anne Waters, who Again. really, I give her, I mean, without Anne Waters, would the Mystics have landed those two? I don't think so. I mean, I no, think Olaf no Lang leaving, which we think it's going to be the Liberty, because <laughs> where else would Olaf leave to? Um <laughs> The Sky benefited from that. They did. Both the Liberty and Sky benefited from that greatly. So that's why I'm yeah. excited for, o- for Julie. Olaf is uh, married to Sandy Brondello, which is why Jackie says that. Uh, Sandy Brondello being the new head coach of the New York Liberty. Yeah, no, I totally agree with your point that um, that Alamon's going to be able to play. Well, and that all of this is predicated on Vanderslew and clearly coming back, which we are both assuming is going to happen because there has been reports that the wheels are in motion you know, I talked about this on like the last three podcasts I did about, uh, you know, why Courtney Vandersloot is, is not signed yet. Um, and whatever, I think that situation is going to get resolved in some way. But yeah, I think the, the point you brought up about her being able to play both with Courtney Vandersloot and be a backup to Courtney Vandersloot is huge. I mean, you look at her three-point shooting from the bubble. It's insane. 4.23s uh, attempts per game, 47.8% on those attempts. You know, like that is that's a that's a lot of volume to suggest that she's an awesome three point shooter, and that's in Indiana. You know, where it's 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 not the best spacing in the world. So when she comes to a team like Chicago and is playing with these brilliant basketball players, and I put her in the right position and teach her so much about the game, I, I think it's going to work out great. Especially with her playing with someone that she's familiar with with Emma Miesemann. Like if they want to run a two person game on on the backup unit with just those two, that's still going to be a pretty efficient offense. So yeah. I'm super pumped for, for Julie. I'm super pumped for Emma and I'm super pumped for Crystal Bradford. Like it, I don't know how much run she's going to get. She's, I think she's certainly lower on this depth chart than she was in Atlanta, but she was awesome last year. Like, like really, really awesome. And I, I want to see her, you know, how she fits with this team because there's just so many smart basketball players being put in the right role. And I, we should mention Kaiser Gondrzyk signed in chicago on a training camp contract uh i don't i don't have any opinion i don't know what's it i don't know <laughs> right i don't have much knowledge on her or any anything quite invaluable to say but i do crystal bradford i think someone i think it was spencer nussbaum who made this joke on twitter it was fabulous it was something like you're replacing diamond with a crystal. And so <laughs> I think I think that's a great way to put it because I think you're getting someone in crystal who will take on the role that Chicago created for diamond that diamond didn't like. Um, you're, you're putting someone in there who's more willing to accept that role and who's more willing to grind. Mm-hmm. And that I think is, going to be really really gritty and just really thankful to just be yeah. on that team you know i i don't want to shade diamond of course no, no, but sure. um you know and, and and diamond just even i don't think she her past two years have just been so rough yeah and i think well so crystal bradford ended the season injured correct so i'm trying to remember what happened there 
she had some sort of leg fra- there was a there was a fracture yeah. i have i think i may have to ask spencer about that but hopefully she comes into camp healthy because uh, i know I, I really what happened with diamond i think was very predicated on her health mm-hmm. and not being 100 percent. but also I, I i do think that crystal bradford amid the, the food truck incident I think Crystal Bradford has the potential to be a very good locker room presence. Yeah. Well, and the the thing with the the whole food truck thing is like, to to our knowledge, that didn't affect the locker room. I, I wouldn't care, right? Like if my if one of my friends told me like, oh, I got in a fight in a food truck, it's like, cool. Like as long as it doesn't affect what we're doing, I don't care. Like you could do whatever you want your free time. But I think there's also like the thing you're saying about diamond. I think it boils down to there's a difference between accepting the role you are given and being happy with the role you're given. I think that that is something that fans have to realize when we're ma- when they're making moves, when teams are making moves on the margins, a lot of it is predicated on, is this player going to be happy in the situation that we're putting them in? So for example, I think if Diamond the Shields came back for whatever reason to Chicago this year, she wouldn't be happy. And she may, she may even start rejecting the role that she's getting because she thinks she has more. And I think last year she did do a good job of being a good soldier, right? Like she, she showed up, she did what she could. She had, she fought through injuries to help that team win a championship. And she always gets to be a champion because of that. And you have to applaud her for it. But I also applaud her for saying, Hey, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go somewhere where I'm going to be more of a feature role. Is that place Phoenix? I don't know, but that's why Diamond (laughs) Shields perhaps is not on this list. But yeah, I think for Crystal, I think she is going to be really happy in that role and and get and hopefully she gets an opportunity to continue showing what she has because I think she's she's a really good player and a player that there, there's not that many players that fall into the Crystal Bradford Becca Allen role right of like we, we we've kind of seen three four three slash floors go away to a certain extent um, and I want to see them you know I want to see more of these players in the league because I think this is where basketball is going to move in the WNBA like it did in the NBA to being small eventually. And we, we've seen it a little bit. We saw a little bit with Chicago last year. I wouldn't say Azrae Stevens and Candace Parker are small, but we're, we're going to start moving more towards fours being in the more Becca Allen, Crystal Bradford situation. So I want to see her get some more run and be like that. And I know we'll have, we'll, we'll get to the Becca Allen, the, the Jackie Powell ISO on, on Becca Allen <laughs> In just a little bit. Um, all right. I want to bring up one more player. Well, I want to bring up two more players because they play on the okay. same team last year. Uh, Courtney Williams going to Connecticut. Oh. I'm very happy about that. Just watch the tape from the 2019 playoffs. Uh, I, I don't, from what I, from what I can gather, Courtney is not a problem in the locker room. She's a problem outside the locker room, perhaps. Um, I think she did get a little lost in the sauce in Atlanta. It's pretty easy. Atlanta's a really cool city and really fun. I think it could easily get lost in it. Um, I think coming back to Connecticut is going to be good for her to be with players who, you know, care, like really want to care for her and nurture her and, and bring her into the fold. Um, I'm excited for the fit on the court too, because we've already seen it work. The other player I want to mention is Tiffany Hayes. Um, she was low key. Awesome. Last year. And she's, <laughs> she's low key been awesome for quite a while. And she gets her team back, you know, with Kennedy gone. And with Courtney Williams gone, you know, I think she's going to have a way better fit on the court with Erica Wheeler at, at the one. 
And I think she's going to have a way better fit in the locker room as well. You know, I think, I think Tanisha Wright coming in is going to help her, um, you know, continue to get better. I don't think she's a playoff. I don't think she's on the playoff team for the record, but they'll compete more in games and she'll shine a little bit more because I think she, she's in just a better space, both on and off the court in Atlanta. Um, so you can either, you can talk about either of those two, or you can bring up another player if you have another player on your list. Those two are solid. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I'll briefly agree with those two, and then I will bring up one more player. So with Courtney Williams, I mean, oh, man. Kurt Miller, I feel like, got very lucky when it came to the salary cap because because of what happened with Courtney off the court last mm-hmm. season, her price went down. And so Kurt had, we know that Kurt Miller had a limited amount of space on the cap because of who they have right now. And he had to re-sign JJ. And so that situation just worked so beautifully for both parties, because I think there was some fear Mm -hmm. on Courtney's end of it of, oh gosh, like, am I going to be able to play in this league again because of this incident and because of everything that happened? I mean, I remember... I think when Marcus Crenshaw, her agent, was talking about everything that was going on, he was very anxious about Mm -hmm. it, too. So I think just this works out so well for both parties. And and clearly, we all go back to what happened in the All-Star game when John Quell and Courtney were just sort of so happy to be playing Mm -hmm. together again. And so hopefully we'll see some of that joy. And what Courtney provides in the backcourt, someone who can close, that's exactly what they needed. Yep. I mean, Breon January was fabulous for them during the regular season, but it's like they have a ton of people who are great defenders. They, they need more offense in the backcourt, and that's what Courtney gives them. Now, Tiffany Hayes, oh, my gosh, that's someone who I wouldn't have thought of. But I do – I love that, though, because she was, before getting injured last season, she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And she'll – hopefully be able to just be herself in whatever way Tanisha Wright constructs this because Atlanta has been saying over and over again first we're going to get the personnel the people that we really like the really good cultural people that we like and then we're going to figure out the basketball end of it and so part of me gets that but then another part of me is like you gotta have sort of some vision as to what type of identity you you want to have I mean I'm not saying that you have to be like Walt Hopkins and say it's either this way or no other way mm-hmm. but you can't just not have any idea maybe they do have an idea they just didn't want to share uh, with with us media folk but I think you, Tiffany Hayes will absolutely have her time to shine and yeah, it's her team again. I mean, I remember I was talking to Nikki Collin, I think this past summer, and she sort of said that a, a reason that, you know, Benajelani may or may not have returned to the dream was because she knew Tiffany Hayes was coming back. And, mm-hmm. you know, the dream were, yeah. were Tiffany Hayes' team. And so, you know, Laney was able to go to New York and New York is her team very clearly. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's great. The only other player I'd mention is Steph Dolson. I know another oh, yeah. Liberty person. And I, I think she, people were annoyed at me for saying like, oh, she wasn't valued in Chicago. I, 
I never said that. I just mm -hmm. think that she will be able to shine more in New York. And I sort of saw what people were saying online about the move and, and Steph's partner was so psyched and was saying like, you know, you're going to get to shine so, so much more in New York. And, you know, you saw it in game four. I mean, she yeah. saved her team in game four. And I, I don't think that what Jonathan Kolb and Sandy Brondello said before they, they made their moves and signed Steph was that they were looking for people that are going to complement what they do best. And I think that's what you get in Steph Jolson. And I think she is going to have the role that she wants, which is she will be able to play a lot. She's going to be able to do everything that she loves to do. I mean, she was talking on, when was it? It was earlier this week because she's with USAB. And she said, one of my favorite things that I get to do is screen for people. She's like, I love setting up my teammates. And New York really is preaching about being a selfless basketball team. Um, that wasn't just a Hopkins thing. That was very much so a Jonathan Kolb thing. And mm -hmm. Andy Brondello believes that too. You know, she says in her beautiful Australian accent, you know, I want a selfish basketball team. Like yeah. that, that line, it, you know, I, I, I don't have a great Australian accent, but <laughs> I've heard her say that line so many times. And so Steph is someone who is very selfless. And I think they also need, they need a fun personality too. They need someone who can be really fun, but also, you know, knows what it takes to win and can be serious when needed. And I, and I think that's Steph. That is, uh, that is perfect timing, Jackie. The literal next thing on my list is what Steph Dolson brings to the New York Liberty, which you got to kick off our New York Liberty talk. And yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you, I, I also have here, like they didn't have what I call brick wall screeners because I've been playing more 2K recently and that's the badge you get if you're a good screener. Um, <laughs> they didn't have any brick wall screeners on this team last year. And I think she's going to really loosen up um, you know, everyone on this team, whether it's Sabrina Inescu or Natasha Howard or Sammy Whitcomb, like they needed a screener and especially Sabrina. Sabrina excelled when she had Ruthie Hebert, who's a really good screen setter, who incidentally played with Steph Dolson last year in Chicago. But that's when she really excelled in college is when she had really good screen setters and players who could play in that high post position and be extremely comfortable in that role of kind of distributing, setting screens, doing the dirty work. That's what I love about Steph Dolson. I mean, my, my Twitter background, my Twitter like cover photo right now is Steph Dolson, you know, just like smiling so wide when she hit that, she hit like that super weird, like turnaround floater in game four of the finals. And was just like running down the court, like, ah, I can't believe I did that. Um, I, I, I was just like, you know, I love her game. I love her attitude. I'm so with you. Like she's exactly what um, the team needs in, in terms of, both on the court and off the court. I think she fits in so perfectly. And I think the person that she is going to, that the the next domino, like Steph Dolson comes in, she's going to do what Steph Dolson does. The next domino is Natasha Howard becomes a lot more efficient because I, I think Natasha Howard, look, you know, I know we just talked about Courtney Williams and yes, we get it. We'll, we'll get your, your long twos tweets, people. Um, you know, we'll get the long twos tweets. We, we know that, the analytical dream of the kind of five out system with Howard at the five, like, yes, we get it. Nerds like me, that's a dream. 
but I think it's still a dream. Like you still need a player like Steph Dolce on this team. And she puts Natasha Howard in a better position, not only to be more efficient, but to, I think, complete her goals, which when she came to New York, she was kind of saying, I want to win the MVP. I think it kind of puts her more in the uh, Brianna Stewart role to a certain extent uh, it, that she, you know, if we're looking at the, where she was successful in Seattle, she's going to slot over into that Brianna Stewart role more so than her own Natasha Howard role at the five. She's going to not, hopefully not do as many post-ups. I don't think she was that efficient in those spots. And I think it's going to allow her to be uh, in more transition opportunities because she won't be having to chase defensive rebounds as much because there's going to be a big down there grabbing the ball. I think it helps her get downhill too with the spacing. I mean, they're going to run some awesome. Well, I hope Sandy, please run some Princeton sets, run some chin cuts for my girl, Natasha Howard to get just some easy buckets. And I think that, you know, if they inject a little bit of that, you know, Princeton offense, that UConn offense into their system, it's going to work like gangbusters with this group. Um, but I think my, my biggest question for the Liberty and we can keep talking about stuff, Dawson, if you want to. So feel free. This is an option play. Um, okay. Is do does this team go as far as Sabrina Yanuski takes them? Because I've seen, I saw an article. I forget who wrote it, talking about that. Richard Cohen and I discussed it last week. I think Sabrina is the player who has the highest ceiling, in theory, on this team. So does she need to be in? Not, not necessarily in the MVP conversation, but just in the conversation of like the one of the best point guards in the league. Like, does she need to be that sort of, does she need to rise above her, not her teammates, but just rise above her, where she is now to become a star for this team to take the next step? Wow. That, what a loaded question it's that a, it's is. A lot of, it's a long um, question. And then there's there's more on Steph Dolson that I think there is to discuss too. Option play. But yeah. man, okay, I'm gonna go to Steph Dolson first sure, sure. because then hopefully that will get me to the sure, answer sure. to to that to that huge question, right. which I think is, I mean, that's a question that we'll keep asking. So with Steph Dolson, I think what this also does is this is going to allow some of their young players or one of their young players in particular to really learn who she can be. Mm -hmm. And so you and I were talking about this, or we were, we were texting about this, about Kylie Shook mm -hmm. and how she is someone who I think will really benefit from having Steph as a mentor and seeing how Steph has become tough and mm -hmm. tougher in, in the post. I mean, I understand that Steph is a bit of a bigger body and she's a little taller, but the two of them have such similar skill sets. And I think Kylie has a very similar ceiling. Um, and you talk about Sabrina Ionescu being best when she has someone who can screen really well for her. We've watched that shot in the first game of the season mm -hmm. against Atlanta multiple times. That shot doesn't happen without the screen from no. Kylie Shook. It, it just doesn't. So, you know, Kylie Shook has a role on this team. She does. She's not Steph Olsen, but what I'm saying is she has the skills to one day be like that. And I think the way Walt would play, he, for some reason, really didn't like it when he played with Howard and Shook. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think in the way Sandy's going to do things, obviously, I think you're going to start with Dolson and Howard. But then I think what Kylie Shook gives you is if Steph gets tired, you insert Kylie right into that role at the five. Um, You know, this is still a really versatile team. This is still a team that potentially, yes, can play five out because I don't think there isn't someone on the roster right now who can't shoot. I mean, everyone can shoot, but I don't think they're going to be doing this whole like, oh, we're going to have these really small and athletic fours that that's how we're going to start games. Will Sandy, you know, adjust during games and maybe say, oh yeah, we can put Beck Allen at the four here or oh yeah we can put Jocelyn Willoughby at the four and especially Jocelyn Willoughby because she is so strong like oh my god I'm excited for Jocelyn Olson, oh my god I'm so excited for her I hope she's healthy um, me too um without Steph Dolson I would say that Jocelyn Willoughby is the strongest like most muscular and most capable you know, when it comes to just being able to muffle mm-hmm. it out in the post. And I know that sounds wild because she's, she's only six foot, but she, she has such a, a professional body and just so much muscle in her arms and just, she's so muscular. Yeah. Um, but so I, I think Steph is, is going to really help with the development of this team too. Okay. And wait, yes. before we get to Sabrina, I want to bring up one thing because I know there's people yes. listening who have already tweeted us about Courtney Williams long twos last year. We get it. Who are going to say about Kylie Shook, if you're like me, you mm-hmm. watched a few games where Kylie Shook got absolutely toasted and you were mm-hmm. out on Kylie Shook. I was one of those people. We, we texted about this the other day or yesterday. We did. And I was, I was like, you know, I don't know, you know, at first uh, they, they had to cut somebody. They ended up cutting Liana Odom, Jazz Jones. And I was like, you know, hey, I probably would have gone with Kylie Shook there. Like, well, you know, whatever. Then, however, and you could take this with a grain of salt and you should. Her on-off numbers, she has the third best net rating differential on this team. They play, they were 7.6 better in net rating when her on the court than her off the court. Their defense was 10 points better with her on the court than with her off the court. Tons of noise, tons of noise there. However, I, I'm with you. She's going to be in a better position with Sandy Rondello because she's not going to be forced into she was a she was a square peg in a round hole for a lot of last year. I think her playing in a different system is going to be huge. And I think the optionality that this team is going to have is going to benefit her as well as everyone else on this roster but her in particular, in that she's not going to have to be forced into doing one sort of thing. I think she's going to be forced into doing what she is best at, um, which, you know, hey, maybe we haven't figured it out yet. And maybe, hey, maybe, hey, she doesn't develop as much as, as you know, people think now. But certainly, I'm, I'm back. I'm on the train of she should be on this roster. She should get a shot to play with this team. Um, and I think Steph Dolson is going to be huge for her, especially if she can just slot into that backup, the backup uh, five spot. Now I'm gonna put your feet though to the to the flames. Let, let's talk about Sabrina. T- talk to me. What what do you think? Okay. Well, I think Sabrina has certain intangibles that make an engine go mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's her willingness to win. It's her competitive spirit. It's the type of thing that we talk about with Diana Taurasi and 
And Sandy Brondello was very quick to compare those two mm-hmm. in just sort of the um, the qualities that they have that not every player in this league has. So I think when it comes down to those late game situations and those those tight games when you sort of need someone who's going to make something happen, I do think that's going to be Sabrina. I do think it's, it's her competitive, ooh, excuse me, competitive spirit. Um, I do think Benajah Laney is just such an important piece on this team. And I hope she is as ready to go, you know, as, as they seem to say she will be come training camp. Cause I know she sort of, she got her knee fixed up and it's wild to me that she was playing with a very unhealthy knee when she almost beat the Mercury. I That's, mean, <laughs> that was incredible. No, I, I saw that. I was like, I was shocked because she, she, her numbers did get worse as this year went on because what, what, what she have she had a torn MCL. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a no joke injury. Like that is, you know, talk about this guy up here that, that kind of derailed him for a little while, Dwayne Wade, um, when he was, when he was with Miami. So that's crazy that she was like that. And I agree. I agree. To, I'm just assuming that like we get something similar from Benajelani's uh, Sammy Wickham. Cause I don't, I just don't know how much better those two could be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think what we might see is I think we might see Sammy on the bench a little Mm -hmm. bit more. I think what's going to happen there is Sandy sees Sammy as a combo guard. Um, And I think Sammy proved that she can play at the one and the two Mm -hmm. in this league. And I think what we're going to see is Sammy may work as a, a backup to Sabrina. Um, because if you think about it, so you have Sabrina at the one, you have maybe Laney at the two, uh, you could have Beck at the three, uh, Howard at the four, and Steph at the five. That's mm-hmm. a potential starting lineup that I see. And so, you know, we know that, that Laney is a very good passer, but, but so is Sammy. I mean, Sammy was really good at running the pick and roll. And so what you do is you then... When Sabrina needs a rest, you bring in Sammy Whitcomb. And I think it's even, it makes even more sense, the prospect of getting Maureen Johannes back. Because if you need sort of someone who can back up Sammy Whitcomb directly, you have Maureen Johannes, who also is a combo guard. I know, I miss her so much. I'm not getting my hopes up. Well, okay, I've done some reporting on this, and (laughs) I think... Both sides want this to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just about, it's about the, you know, the, the missing the first chunk of the season and it's about the money, you know, mm-hmm. h- how much with missing that bit, how much is she going to be worth? But I think Maureen wants to play in the W. We know that I've, I've heard that. And the Liberty would 1000% want her back because she just, she fits in with so much of what they want to do. So um, anyway, I think I got off on a bit of a tangent there because we were yeah, talking still, about Sabrina. You're, you're still dodging the Sabrina question. I'll I'll I, I'll answer it first, so then you could agree or disagree. Sure. I think sure. the answer to my own question is yes. She's the one who needs to raise her level of play. I don't think it's reasonable to expect Benajelania to raise her level of play by that much more because she was already awesome. Last year, I could, I could see her being more efficient. I'd like to see her uses come down a little bit, but 
But that's again predicated on Sabrina Nescu taking a bit more of those uh, of that usage and taking a bit more of those possessions and hitting more of her threes. She was 32% last year. Yeah, 32.5% last year on a healthy amount of threes. And it's just, she needs, those need to fall a little bit more. If those fall a little bit more, the whole offense makes a lot more sense. Uh, but I just don't think it's reasonable to expect Benaj Laney, Sammy Whitcomb to be any better than the awesome players they were last year. I, I, I don't want to put that on. I don't want to say they can't develop or anything, but like, I, I don't think it's reasonable from a front office standpoint to expect that. So then we look at Natasha Howard. I think Natasha Howard, as I mentioned, is going to be slotted into a better spot. But even if she is, to, for her to get to the point where she's competing for an MVP or competing for all WNBA or whatever her goals are, it's also predicated on Sabrina Ionescu. Like she needs to, she needs to be that pick and roll operator that they they worked out well when they were healthy last year, and I think last year is super weird um, for this team. But the player that needs to raise their level to the star level is Sabrina, because I think. If she does that and Laney is the same, the same level of player she was and Sammy Wickham's the same level of player she was, Sabrina is going to bring Natasha Howard up to the level that she can be, that we all have seen from her before and create a team that is really, really nasty and it has a very high ceiling, but we have to see it first from Sabrina. She needs to be, she needs to show that she is, she is the superstar that we have seen in bits and pieces. And we saw in college. And I think she can. I think, and in, in, in at this point, if she never develops anymore, I think she's a starting level point guard in this league for a very long time. But I expect her to develop a lot more because she is just an amazingly hard worker. She's an amazingly, she, she has those things that you see in the great players that we're talking about, Diana, the Dianas, the Sues, all those players. She has that in her. And so I expect her to get better. And that's what I'm saying. I, I think this team goes as far as she takes them because I expect her to raise to that level. So that's why I would say, yes, this team goes as far as Sabrina goes. If she's a superstar, sky's the limit. Like there's a world in which they win the championship, right? If she doesn't get there this year, then I'm just a little bit more concerned about, about the overall ceiling of this group, notwithstanding the Brianna Stewart rumors. So that's my answer. I think that's a fantastic answer. That's an answer with so much nuance. And I agree with a ton of what you said. I think it's really hard to judge Sabrina Ionescu's career in the W so far mm -hmm. because that ankle injury has been looming over mm -hmm. her entire mm -hmm. pro career so far. And I think, you know, I don't know the type of fingers we can point, but she clearly was not ready uh, for camp and for the start of the season. Um, you know, they should have used Lasia Clarendon when Lasia Clarendon was yeah. on that team as a backup, but yeah. there were a lot of issues there that I don't think were related to basketball. So uh, there's that. I mean, it, <sighs> I, I just believe it's very difficult to judge Sabrina with mm -hmm. everything that was going on do I think that this team is built around her ceiling absolutely there is no doubt that this team is built around who who she was in college and who we think she can be I mean you know you could argue that 
that Walt's system was sort of built around that. Um, although again, the part of his system that just did not work was having Natasha Howard at the five. And then, you know, you had these three slash fours at the four. I mean, it just, it just didn't work. It didn't work defensively. Um, you know, then you could argue, oh, well, Natasha Howard had more time and was healthier, but I, it just, it, it just didn't work. And I think Sandy Brandello has such a great track record of being able to have a bunch of puzzle pieces and construct the puzzle that is going to mm. fit. She just, I mean, there's, there's no denying it. I mean, she had so much less talent or so much, huh, how do I put it? She had a much less balanced team. I think that's how you put it in Phoenix in 2021, but somehow they made it to the WNBA finals. Sure, you could say, oh, you know, Diana Taurasi was incredibly clutch. But I don't think you do that without having a great coach, a coach that knows the personnel and knows their potential and knows how to, you know, fit the right pegs into the right holes. Sandy is just so good at doing that. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they have a coach who has done this time and time again, who knows this league inside and out. It's just, I think they're going to be in such a better spot this year than they were last year, even, even without the injuries. And we'll have to see where Sabrina is. I mean, she was invited to that USA yeah. camp. She was limited, you know, because she's still, she's still rehabbing. I think she's posted on Instagram a bit, you know, she's still strengthening that ankle and trying to get it to, to a better spot. Um, hopefully she's working with people that are helping her make mm -hmm. sure that she doesn't do too much, you know, because that injury, I believe it was like a, a nine to 12 months recovery time. And she was in camp at like eight months and yeah. clearly just wasn't ready. So I, it's just so hard to judge with her not being completely healthy. So if she's completely healthy, sky's the limit. I, 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 yeah, I agree. I hope she's healthy. I think she's going to be healthy. I'm just, I just, I'm just going to hope for everyone to be healthy. And we haven't talked about uh, Washington quite as in depth, but obviously I'm hoping Lillian Daldon's healthy too. Everyone just be healthy. Yeah. I just like, if I had a, if I had a wand, I'd say everyone's healthy. Um, although I'd make my Los Angeles takes look really bad in retrospect at some point. All right. So do you want your, where, where do you want your ISO possession? You want it on the wing? Do you want to post up? Like, where do you want high post uh, clear out? Like, where do you want this uh, Becca Allen ISO possession? I'm going to give it to you on the wing. All right. We're clearing out, clearing out Jackie Powell on the wing. Tell me, tell me why Becca Allen, why you, why you uh, love her so much on this group. Oh my gosh. Well, there's, there's some like personal storytelling bias in all of this. And I hope that's okay that's totally to talk fine. about. Yes. Um, it's not just from a basketball perspective. I mean, when I was watching the Liberty before I was covering them as a professional, so even in like 2018, mm -hmm. I would just see her be relegated to the bench. And then when she'd come on onto the floor, something magical would happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you just see this player that would give it everything she has. You'd see someone who could shoot the daylights out of the ball. And 
I just would sit there wondering, like, why isn't she getting more playing time for a good two years? So 2018, I wasn't covering the team professionally. 2019, I was. And I would say the same thing. I'd be in that, that old Westchester County Center and I would look, look to my right and look to my left and say, gosh, why isn't Rebecca Allen starting? Mm -hmm. why, why isn't she getting more minutes on the floor? And, and you know what? She didn't have to start, but even getting like six players a year type minutes, she wasn't getting that playing for Katie Smith in 2019. And I was just like, oh, like, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. Is there some sort of like Lamberian bias going on here? How, you know, Beck was, was a bench warmer under Bill. And listen, she, when she came into the league in 2015, her body did not look how it does now. I mean, you look at those arms and those shoulders. Oh, no. I mean, oh my God. Um, when she was 22 in 2015, I believe, you know, she was young and, and she, was, she wasn't as strong and she was at a different point. And so, yeah, maybe those first couple of years under Bill on the bench were, were good because I actually spoke to her about this they pushed those years being a bench warmer pushed her to work. It pushed her to get into the gym with teaspoon. And she considers Teresa Weatherspoon as someone who really taught her about what defense is and the importance of defense. And so I love that type of story, that story about someone who really wants to be a great player in, in the city of New York and just works her way up and, Beck was in a place under Lambeer and under Katie Smith where there wasn't much player development going on. She sort of developed on her own. She took it upon herself when she went overseas to develop on her own. And gosh, I would love to ask her about that. Yeah, um, and so that's, and I wrote a story for the next about how to me, she's the WNBA's Maggie Rogers. And yes, I am a pop music person and Maggie Rogers is a pop artist. Um, and you sort of saw, there was this viral video of Maggie Rogers and Pharrell Williams when Pharrell Williams first hears her potential and he's like, oh my God. And so it, it happened in 2019 when Becca Allen destroyed the Lynx. I mm -hmm. mean, the Lynx beat the Liberty because the Liberty, that was just a, a so poorly constructed team in 2019 but Beck ripped them to shreds and I just remember watching Cheryl Reeve like like so angry like oh she, she keeps <laughs> she keeps making shots on us and it's like well she's a damn good player she's a damn good shooter so it was it was that type of moment you know and you just sort of see this this rise someone who's so selfless and such a team player but also just works so hard, you know, and just Beck is just a pleasure to cover because of that. So that's, that's my more like personal monologue on why I am such a huge supporter of Beck and who she is and her game. And she's a legitimate two-way player in this league. Oh, yeah. I mean, I defensively, I mean, the beginning of 2021 was a bit rough for her because she sort of, she came in from finishing her Spanish season. She, she didn't have a training camp, so mm -hmm. she was adjusting on the fly. Clearly, there was a lot to adjust to. Then the plantar fasciitis happened. 
they sort of, they shut her down so she can recover and be ready for the Olympics. She goes to the Olympics. The Opals have such a difficult time in Tokyo, which that wasn't Beck's fault, wasn't Sandy's fault. It was someone else's fault, um, who we mentioned earlier. Yes. And then Beck literally comes back and is like, I'm going to show you all how good I am. She never said that, but she played like it. Like, oh my God. Um, so I, I, so I'm not going to add too much more because I love all of that. And I agree. I think she's, <laughs> she's a lovely two-way player. And last year when she got slotted into a role where she's actually shooting threes, she made 38% on five attempts a game. She's pretty good, especially considering how low her, her usage was. I don't have that. Yeah. 18, 18.5% usage. It's like, that's extremely low. I think she only, you know, she can only improve. Like, I think that was, it was a good sign to see like, Hey, you know, she can shoot at this level. She can, she can bury buckets at this level. I think she does have that two way um, ability, which is fantastic. And I think some people listening who pay attention to the contracts may say it's a bit of an overpay, $141,000 this year, $136,000 next year. I love that, that it is declining shouts shouts to uh jonathan cold for doing that um because no i don't think there's another declining contract in the league i'm not sure about that but regardless i don't think it's that much of an overpay and if it is at all she's right in the if all of our like value stats she's right in the middle of the salary margin she's comparable to uh brianne january who's a good comp in terms of a guard their size is not the same but obviously they do some of the similar things just january is smaller beck allen's taller so I, I don't mind the contract at all. And I think it's um it, it's a, it's gonna be a really interesting time seeing how she fits in because I, I do think she's gonna have to battle for uh that six that six woman spot. Um, you know, I, I think Jocelyn Willoughby for a long for when she got from since when she got drafted was slotted into that spot and she got hurt the last couple of years. So that that was a person they slotted in there. And Kaylon Yanwari grabbed the brass wing ring last year and won rookie of the year. I think DD Richards, you know, if her shooting is for real, I also think this is another player who could challenge that for that spot and be an excellent for like be an excellent Beck Allen type player. I think it's huge for, for DD Richards to have Beck Allen on the team. So she's going to have to fight for those minutes still. Um, but I think she's in a much better spot and she's deserving of that contract. And I'm happy that they brought her back because I do want to see her on a team that's extremely competitive. However, we are nearing what, what should be the end of our time. I, we said yesterday that we could talk for like four hours, and we definitely could. We, we've, been cutting, we've been cutting us off this entire podcast. Um, but let's get, let's get into it. The final question about the New York Liberty. Mm-hmm. Talking regular season now, because I think after last year, I'm not getting into the business of, play, of predicting the playoffs in February. I don't nope. know what's going to happen by the time we get to the playoffs. We'll have to see the matchups. But the and it's reg- a new format, too. Oh, is it? Is that coming in this year? The new playoff format. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. I no more buys. It's not happening. Okay. Well, then it's even crazier. Um, although it kind of it makes it easier to predict. But I don't want to. I don't want to think. I don't wanna, just, we're going to leave the playoffs for a different day. We're going to leave the, the playoffs mm-hmm. for a different day. Mm-hmm. Regular season. What is the New York Liberty ceiling and what is their floor? Mm. I can right. go first if so you want me to. As, as sure, my... why don't you go first? <laughs> I always give I always give our, our, our guests the option. 
Um, okay. I will say their ceiling is about the four seed. Um, I don't think, let me just have the standings right in front of me. So I don't say something out of turn. So I don't think they're going to be better than Connecticut is in the regular season. I don't think they're going to be better than Las Vegas is depending on what happens with the Liz transaction. I don't think they're going to be better in Las Vegas in the regular season. And I don't think they're going to be better in Seattle in the regular season. Everyone else, I would probably put the Lynx, Mercury, and, and Sky in front of the Liberty, but I could see easily the Liberty being better than those teams. So I would say that's why I say their ceiling is a four seed. I think they can be um, slotted in right behind those three teams. And, you know, season's crazy, injuries can happen. And I think Vegas is a little thin. So they could definitely sneak into that top three, but I would put their ceiling right there at the four seed. Their floor as it was last year, is the lottery. I, I think they can end up in the lottery fairly easily. The Mystics are going to be better, uh, even with like normal health. The Wings, they've been together for a while now. Like I, I don't see, like they, they have momentum. I think they've been together. Okay, we, we have a disagreement there. But I think the Wings could uh, improve. I definitely see them though, at least in, in right now, as it stands, ahead of the Sparks, Dream, and Fever as it stands right now. So that's, on, so I think floor lottery ceiling four seed, and there could be even more, you know, I'm assuming normal health. So that, that's my, that's my ceiling and floor for the New York Liberty. That's pretty solid. That's very solid. Um, I would say their floor is finishing in ninth place. That's, that's how I see it, okay. which is, you know, just missing the playoff. Um, I think the Dallas Wings are in trouble, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> I, I, other I mean, I, I think I wrote for my winners and losers yeah. piece for Bleacher Report, I listed the Wings as a loser. And mm-hmm. I said right here, um, Dallas, after its success in 2021, could not rest on its laurels. And I believe that. I really believe that. It is clear in the WNBA that you need veteran leadership to win. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but Enrique Gumbawale and Fatu Sabali are not better in leadership. And they were asked about this. And it was literally like that Spider-Man pointing meme. They literally pointed back at or with Satu, who said, oh, well, we think Vicky Johnson is our leader. It's like, what? You need to have both. You need to have veteran leadership on your team. But okay, I, I'm not going to go long on the Dallas Wings here. But point being, I could easily see the Wings being in the lottery again. But mm-hmm. I, I do – so with the, if the Liberty were to get the ninth uh, spot, who would be underneath them? I'd say I'd say Dallas. I'd say Atlanta and, and the Fever. And then I think sure. because L.A. has a little bit more – much yeah. more talent than they did last year, you know, they, they'd get the, the eighth. Um, but I think we're pretty similar when it comes to sort of how we're seeing that. Um, but if Sabrina Ionescu takes a huge step, then as we said earlier, with the step that she takes, the team takes a step as well. And so their ceiling, their ceiling to me is that four or five seed. Um, I mean, I, I think the thing about the Liberty is that they are a well-constructed basketball team. This is not the Phoenix Mercury where you're just saying, ooh, look, we have all of this talent. Let's put it into a cauldron and see mm-hmm. what pops out. That's not what we're dealing with here. 
Um, we're dealing with a well-balanced basketball team. Jonathan Cold said, what I want to have is I want to have quality WNBA personnel across the board. If people are healthy and this team functions like the well-oiled machine that it could be, they have a very high ceiling. You know, obviously I think that they're still young too. They have a lot of young pieces and they have people who I consider to be young vets. Um, but these are people who are ready for that responsibility. I mean, in 2020, I, there was the whole baby vet, young vet thing in the mm -hmm. level where it was like Kia Nurse and Amanda Zowie and and Kia Stokes. But the thing was, and, and no offense to those three, but they weren't ready for mm -hmm. that type of, of role. Course. So you go into 2021, you have Benajah Laney, you have Sammy Whitcomb, and you have Natasha Howard, clearly three people that I think were, I think more ready to be people that were gonna be confident and that were gonna lead. I mean, Natasha Howard leads in a different way. She leads by example, um, but clearly the young group became close to her and, and trusted her and followed her lead. So I just, I think that the more and more their young leaders grow. So, you know, Laney's not 30 yet. Whitcomb's what, 33, I think. And Howard is now 30, you know, the more that they grow. And now you're throwing Steph Olson in there, who's 32 and who just, or mm -hmm. 30 as well. And uh, just won a championship. You know, whenever you add a new piece, there's going to be a period of adjustment. And so, yeah, I mean, they're not a WNBA finals team this year. I don't think so. But are they a playoff team and a very competitive team? Absolutely. Um, if all goes wrong and so many people are injured, do they end up ninth in the rankings? Sure. Mm -hmm. But are they a lottery team right now based on who their coach is? and how balanced their team is and how well it could potentially function absolutely not yep no I, i'm with you i'm with you we'll see i think we gotta get out of here though um oh we, we have we have many press conferences uh we may come back for if they're if tina charles says something like she did last year uh we may come back for an emergency podcast in some form at, at some point. Um, but for now, I think uh, this was a lovely discussion as we always have, Jack. It's, it's great talking. Hoops Fabulous. We have to talk more pop music though. Cause I, I do, I, I have some thoughts um, and, and we, we, we could do that at a different time, uh, potentially mm -hmm. on air. Cause that'd be fun. And you will hopefully oh. you're always welcome on this podcast and you will hopefully be back on this podcast on the her hoop stats podcast network whenever you want. Oh, hell yeah. Love it. Love it. This has been so much fun. I've okay. just really enjoyed this. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we're uh, getting an opportunity not only to us to talk, but everyone in, in our little uh, corner of the Twitter sphere slash the real world. I guess, I guess we're in the real world too. Um, talk to talk hoops and talk about the WNBA and break it down as in depth as you do over with Bleacher Report and the next. Uh, do you have any, do you have anything you want to plug coming up soon? Well, I just did this winners and losers piece. Uh, it was good. VR. I read it. Thank you. Thank you. And um, coming up, yeah, I'm working on this 
piece all about UConn, UConn women's basketball, and the the emotional and mental struggles that they've been through, you know, in, in probably the most tumultuous year in the history of Gino Ariama's program. So yeah, that, that's been a blast to work on. Because I also, in addition to just being super analytical, I love the, the emotional and human stories that mm-hmm. we can tell. And women's basketball players are so special, such, such special people. And so the more and more that we can uh, share with our, our world who they are, I think the better. Yeah. And you're, and you're one of the best storytellers doing, doing this on our, on our side of the ledger. So I'm excited to read that UConn piece. I mean, I've been, I said some really nice things about UConn on our last podcast and then they immediately lose. So UConn fans, if you're listening by this point, I'm very sorry. Um, but we will catch you guys next time on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Again, make sure to follow both of us on Twitter, follow at Her Hoop Stats, go check out herhoopstats.substack.com. And I don't need to tell you guys to check out Bleacher Report. Obviously, if you're not subscribed, I'm assuming you're subscribed to the next if you're listening to this podcast as well. This is way too nerdy. If you are not subscribed to the next, just go and do it because that coverage is very necessary for at least my understanding of the league. But with all that being said, we will see y'all next week. Have a lovely time and make sure you to watch some basketball. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.